Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. Kat Lee is an intimacy and relationship coach, host of Empowered Curiosity podcast, creator of The Heart Lab, and the heart and voice behind the Empowered Curiosity community. Don't worry, we're going to dig into what all of those things are shortly. Kat's passion for the last decade has been to walk beside her clients as they learn to cultivate conscious relationships by alchemizing emotions, which I love that phrase and I'm going to have to ask about it later, integrating their stories and coming back home to the truest version of themselves. Kat guides people to remember their true self, who they are beyond the conditioning, the shoulds, the trauma stories, and the overriding of desires. Today, we'll be having a bit of a free-flowing conversation with Kat, but we're of course going to be focusing on the topic of working parents, and specifically those of us who work for ourselves. We're going to be talking about how much us parents need to rely on an outside community for help, and why that's sometimes really hard to admit and actually ask for. How we as parents can reconnect to our true selves after becoming a parent, and lots more. So, first of all, let's welcome Beth to the podcast from Maine. Hello, Beth. Thank you. Um, it, I think this is the first podcast I'm doing from here. So oh, thank you. Good that's to exciting. see everybody. That's exciting. And welcome to yeah. the Kenza Podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I, I've i listened to an episode that you did with my best friend, Liz, and I was just like, oh, I want to talk to these gals. They sound fun. So I'm really excited to be <laughs> oh, here. I love it. <laughs> That's great. We always love meeting listeners from listener land because sometimes on a podcast, it can be kind of lonely. And Kat, you have a podcast. I'm sure you can relate to this. You're like, I'm seeing the downloads. I'm seeing the statistics. I know people are listening. This is awesome. But like, who are these people? So if you're out there listening to this, come talk to us on Instagram. <laughs> Send us an email. Come join our Slack community. Like, we want to know who are you, people. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It gets lonely out there in podcasting land. It feels like you pour your like heart and soul and entire like passion into this project. And then it's like hey, are you guys out there listening? And, you know, it. I'd say in the, in the most recent months, I've been getting some feedback and been having these really lovely conversations and back and forth with listeners. But for the first few months, I was definitely like, is anybody out there? I feel like, like somebody from Africa is downloading my episode right now, but like, who are they? <laughs> so I get the sentiment. Yes. Um, okay. So why don't you start by telling us, Kat, a little bit about your background and kind of lead us up to how you ended up launching Empowered Curiosity. Awesome. So I was an acupuncturist for 12 years. And what I, I absolutely love Chinese medicine. I love acupuncture. And really what I love about that modality is the the Taoist aspects. And what I mean by that is a lot of... Chinese medicine is based on finding out who you are at the core and accessing that part of yourself. And so when we look at the body, um, you know, we call it it stress in 
in Western culture, but um, in the Taoist traditions, we think of it as like not aligning with your purpose. And so when you're not aligned with your purpose, your body's going to speak in certain ways. And so you're going to have these signs and symptoms come up. We're going to have diseases come up. And a lot of it can be pointed towards stress, but ultimately that stress comes from a place of, of not feeling aligned, not being able to use your voice, not being able to access who you truly are on the inside. So I felt like I was already kind of coaching just alongside with needles um, for my practice. I, I worked mostly with folks who were struggling with depression and anxiety and, um, and women's health. So I did a lot of fertility work and, and then the pandemic hit. And so I was no longer allowed to touch people. I was no longer allowed to needle people. And I felt like I just needed to shift. And so the, I mean, it was so easy to shift over into empowered curiosity, which is my coaching practice now. And what I love about it is the medicine is just as potent. It's, we get to access people virtually. And so I'm working with people in Singapore and in Germany and in Mexico, like all over the world. And and it really is the same medicine, which is how can we align to who you are? You know, how can we remember what your true voice is? And and a lot of that is about going back and untangling some of your trauma stories, some of your relational issues, some of, you know, my access point is is relationships but and intimacy. But ultimately, all that comes down to is the relationship that you have to yourself and the intimacy that you have with yourself, because all that manifests externally as well, right? So that's, and I guess, so Empowered Curiosity is coaching, and I also run a podcast, and so that's that's been my passion projects for the the last year or so. So I'm really excited to hear about your background, Kat, because I too am um, a huge uh, advocate for acupuncture. Um, I've been going to acupuncture since I was like in my early 20s and I actually turned to acupuncture uh, after I was in a really bad car accident and no, nothing else that I was doing, I went through all different kinds of treatments, so many physical therapy and doctors and chiropractors, all the things, and nothing would help my neck feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and finally as like a last resort, unfortunately, I wish it was my first resort. Um, I turned to acupuncture and it, acupuncture combined with gua sha, Mm -hmm. Um, totally saved me. And I swear it changed my life because throughout the last, you know, 15 plus years, I've been going to acupuncture to help with everything from fertility to, um, helping to get my periods regulated to helping me to, you know, just deal with anxiety or stress or just all the things. And I just actually went yesterday and it, um, really helped pull me up out of a rut that I've been in for the last, you know, couple of weeks. And so, um, I'm so excited to hear that, you know, that is something that you've, you started with and then you transition into doing empowered curiosity, which is so cool. Like what a great transition. Um, there's something you mentioned. So we were recording this earlier and and we were having some tech issues and I don't think this came through in the last, um, go around of your introduction, but you said this phrase called trauma knots. Hmm. Will you tell us a little bit more? That was, I wrote that down. I was, I'm curious about that. Yeah. So we all, you know, regardless of how wonderful and idyllic our, our, you know, family systems may have been, we all come through with some wounding from childhood. 
and it's it's almost a developmental thing. So between the ages of zero and seven, we are in this. I mean, if we're being technical about it, it's like your your brain waves are operating at like a delta theta wavelength, which as adults we only access when we are dreaming or meditating or sleeping, and um, and at that time, what happens is we interpret things differently. There are so many little connections being made, and um, and and also what happens is we're we're viewing it through a, a very very different consciousness, right? And so the I I differentiate between small T and big T trauma because like big T trauma is what you would normally think of if there was abuse or, you know, some massive things that have happened, divorce, a big move that made you feel unsafe or anything like that. We, we tend to think of that as big T trauma, but there's also little T trauma. And all of that comes back to how safe did you feel when you were growing up? And what did you have to do? What sort of survival strategies did you have to put into place in order to gain that sense of love, trust, and belonging in your in your family, in your community? And so when I'm working with people who are struggling in intimacy, when they're struggling in relationships, it's like, okay, so we have to go back to what made you feel unsafe originally so that we can untangle those knots and tell that little five-year-old, six-year-old brain a different story. Because a lot of times what we do is we we download these programs when we're really, really little, and we don't update those programs. And so that's ultimately what we do in coaching is it's really going back and looking at those stories and helping you update your programs so that you have a belief system and a value system that actually aligns with what you want to do in life. So that's, that's in a nutshell, what I think of when it comes to trauma knots is, is, is when we tend to live in our past and we sort of project out into the future, what we think is going to be unsafe. And, you know, I, you know, I have so many people who think of the 10,000 different ways in which this scenario is going to go wrong. And it's, it's really a survival skill, right? It's like, if I can think of the 10,000 different ways, I'm somehow going to be better prepared. But really, that's a a combination of living in the past and, and sort of projecting into the future, a, a, a scenario that might feel unsafe for you. And so that's a survival skill that you developed. And so how and God, that's so anxiety inducing. <laughs> and so um, in order to untangle that particular knot, we have to go back into your past and, and, and think about, okay, so, so what happened? What made you feel unsafe? And how can we help you reestablish safety? And how can we help you remember, you know, and reclaim that sense of safety again? Yeah, this is, this is particularly fascinating to me because over the last, I don't know, two, three, four, five years or so, you really, you know, I'm in my thirties and I feel like I've really started to realize, um, how, how much my own childhood and certain things that happened and different events that as a kid, I just accepted as like, Oh, this is, this is just life, you know, like exactly it's just normal or this is what it is. Cause you just don't know any better. And then it's, it's has felt like this gradual sort of like pulling up the veil of like, Hey, actually, and I think what changed things for me was having my own child. And like, so she's mm. two and a half. And when I was, when I was three, my parents got divorced. And mm-hmm. one day I like looked at her and I was like, 
Wow. So when I was her age, in about six months, my parents separated and I watched mm-hmm. my dad drive away, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, it gave me this whole new like perspective of like, yeah. dang, that must have been really hard because I can't imagine that happening to my daughter right now. She would yeah. be crushed, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. always been the three of us. And all of a sudden that would just be over. Like, wow, that must have been actually really hard for little Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. it's just interesting because sometimes I feel like we walk through life and we don't realize how like painful past experiences were because we don't really remember them or whatever um Mm -hmm. but then when you start to open your eyes and realize like no actually I do have different trauma in my body lodged in there from years Mm -hmm. ago and recognizing that really gives you a different perspective in life and like opens your eyes to like what's possible for yourself you know absolutely absolutely and you know just to take that a little step further is what did little Tiffany have to do in order to establish safety, you know, Mm -hmm. she might've, you know, a lot of kids in that situation become hyper-independent and they're like, I got this shit. I'm going to figure this out all by myself, which then leads to a hyper-independent adult Tiffany, right? That's giggling over there. She is hyper-independent, right? And this woman can run the world herself. Exactly. And, and so I don't want to create any, any sort of like negative feelings towards that hyper independent part of you because it's helped you like get so much out of the world. Like, you know, your limits in terms of like what you're capable of. Right. And there's a shadow side to it, which is it's hard to ask for help. It's really, really hard to be vulnerable and say, you know, I'm struggling right now and I need a little bit more support. Right. And so, I think that this is, uh, you know, when I reached out, I'm I'm probably not your typical guest in that, like, I don't have kids. And actually, I've consciously chosen to not have kids. But mm-hmm. part of that is because I am an auntie and I love, love, love being an auntie. And we, I feel like in our, in our modern world, the sense of community is lost. Which is why I think, you know, the Kenza Collective is is such a thriving community is because you guys are reestablishing what we did for generations and generations and generations. And that comes natural to us because we're actually herd animals, you know, <laughs> we, you know, from from a lot of the our individual traumas, it collectively turned into this big trauma of we are hyper independent people If we trust anybody, it is one person that's our partner. And then our partner then becomes our, our therapist, (laughs) our partner, our, you know, co-conspirator of all the things like, like all the roles that we put onto the community and probably took seven or eight people to fulfill, we put on this one person now. Mm -hmm. And I... I wanted to come onto the podcast and say, like, there are aunties out there who want to be asked, (laughs) who are dying to be asked, you know? I love that. Yeah. I mean, so, so Kat, how, how is it that you, um, how does this work? So somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I have trauma knots, or, I mean, they don't say that. They, they don't, they they generally don't say that. (laughs) 
they yeah. don't they don't say that, but they do. You yeah. can tell from talking to them that they do. Yeah. So what's the first step? What how does that work? I mean, does how does someone decide to work with you and then how do you how do you start working with them? Yeah. So typically I get one of two sort of clients. Um, it's I'm struggling in relationships. So that can be I'm having trouble communicating with my partner. I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I feel like I'm pairing up with the same archetype of a partner all over again, even though that hurts me. Um, and so that's that's typically my sort of portal into working with somebody. And the second kind of client, just because of my acupuncture background, is I have a pain or I have a symptom. The doctors tell me I am perfectly fine. I don't know what's going on and I need help. And so, you know, I don't I think that there's a lot of specialists and ologists out there. But nobody's talking to each other. So like your cardiologist isn't talking to your endocrinologist and your neurologist. And um, and the lovely thing about Chinese medicine is that it is all integrated and we think of you as like a whole person. Like imagine that. <laughs> and <laughs> seems like such a novel thing. But, you know, having the perspective of, of being zoomed out and being like, okay, so your your body is the storyteller of your life. And so what is your body trying to tell us through these signs and symptoms? And so it becomes this process of trying to, to actually just, instead of trying to suppress the signs and symptoms, like how can we actually listen to them? Because your body is trying to tell you something. And to, to me, in my experience, it, it all goes back to like, where have you made yourself small or where have you had to puff up? in order to feel loved and accepted. And, um, and so working with me is, uh, I, I take on clients on a very limited basis because they're so intensive in terms of like what I, what I'm going into with people and it's, it's sessions, you know? So in the sessions, there's a lot that comes up in terms of, you know, your story needs to be witnessed and then it needs to be contextualized. And I help you contextualize that and and then give you tangible tools to actually work with that. Because a lot of times we aren't taught how to self-regulate. We aren't taught how to um, recognize when our bodies are going into that sympathetic fight or flight mode and learn how to read those signs and learn what the body's trying to tell us and then learn the tools in order to get ourselves back into homeostasis. And that's different and individual for everybody. So for some people, it's going to look like, okay, so like, let's work on some breath work. And I have lots of tools and techniques in that realm. Sometimes it's going and screaming in your car, <laughs> you know, <laughs> equally valid medicines. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Kat, I want to ask you about something that actually I just realized, I think, last night and talked to my husband about mm -hmm. it. And so, you know, maybe it's serendipitous. Um, <clears throat> there's a pattern that I've noticed in myself, and I want to share this in case other people maybe have noticed this pattern. And I'm curious what you have to say about it, which is that I've noticed that after like during a very stressful event, like for example, um, some people have heard my story of last year, we had to evacuate those wildfires that were in the Santa Cruz mountains. And, um, mm. it was a very stressful time. 
And, yeah. and I got through it, you know, when, when there's some sort of crisis like that, I can usually like step up to the plate and like be really kind of that leader in the situation and kind of just deal with things without falling apart. But yep. what I've noticed is that <clears throat> uh, maybe like three or four months after that, my body just totally gave out. Like I basically yeah. had to be in bed for like a week. I wasn't sick, but I wasn't right. And I didn't really know exactly what was going on. And it finally occurred to me that I think I was finally coming down from that high of, of that stressful time, even though it was like a couple months later. Yeah. And then just recently, um, we've had some pretty intense family stuff going on in the last two, three, four weeks. Mm-hmm. And the same, everything sort of is calming down a little bit right now, just for the mm-hmm. time being. Um, and the same thing happened to me last week. My body just basically was like, and we're done, you know? And, um, my whole body was sore. Certain parts were throbbing. I couldn't really like work out or do much because I was just in a lot of pain. I had a headache. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was major brain fog and literally just in the last couple of days and really just yesterday after going to my acupuncture appointment, um, have I started to really feel like my body is like processed those emotions, I guess, is what I'm coming to the conclusion mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. And so I started to put all those pieces together. And then I realized I, you know, I had some, you know, not awesome things happen to me in my childhood and kind of grew up in an alcoholic family and, and stuff like that. And throughout my 20s, I had a lot of digestive issues. I mean, I spent thousands of dollars trying to figure out what was going on and kind of related to what you said about, you know, the doctors say you're fine, all your blood tests are fine, but you feel like crap all the time and you don't know why. And so I was like, wow, I wonder if that was my body like processing my childhood. (laughs) Mm -hmm, So I'm just mm -hmm. curious if like you've come across anything like that or have anything to say about just sort of how the body responds to stressful or traumatic events and how we can maybe work through that. Yeah. Um, so much to say about that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put a couple of bookmarks in here. Um, just cause I don't want to like leave any piece of it out. So I want to address the digestion piece. I also want to, uh, address the energy piece. Um, and then the, the survival tools that you, you leaned on in order to survive. So the digestion piece to me is the easiest one to, to address. I actually did an entire podcast episode about this. Um, I think it was called Healing Your Emotions by Listening to Your Gut. Ooh. We'll, it's we'll a really, that really recent one. Sure. Um, okay. So that's a good one to take a listen to. But ultimately, when I think about the digestive system, it's like one of the canaries in, in the coal mine when it comes to our nervous system and how our nervous system responds to stress. And so essentially what happens is when your sympathetic nervous system gets turned on and you're in that fight or flight mode, your body then starts prioritizing. Okay, so we are about to go through some shit and we need to prepare for that, right? So a lot of blood circulation goes up to the blood, or sorry, a lot of blood circulation goes up to the brain because your body is now like, okay, so we need to think through and problem solve. And so a lot of energy needs to go there. Mm. A lot of energy gets sent to the limbs because you have to get ready to move, right? It's literally wired from an evolutionary standpoint of we need to fight or flee, right? And what it also does is it deprioritizes things in digestion and reproductive system are the two things that it deprioritizes. Because if you're running away from a bear, if you're running away from a fire, 
you don't need to be digesting your food. You're not going to be pooping anytime soon. And you also <laughs> Unless you get really be... scared, you know. You <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you also don't need to be thinking about making babies in that moment, right? And so, um, and so when that happens, like we can break down the digestive system into the different parts of, of where people sort of get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And so the stomach is really about taking in things from the outside world in the physical sense and then making them into small enough pieces that can then be absorbed by the body. In the energetic sense, it does the same exact thing. I'm taking in all of my external things, all this this input, and can I digest that? And so if somebody is coming to me and they're saying, I have stomach ulcers, I don't know what's going on in my digestive system, I don't know, like I, like I need to take Tums every time I eat something, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so what has happened? What sort of stressful thing has happened to you in that, like, you can't break down this big piece of event or, or, or circumstance, right? We need to break that down into smaller pieces for you. The small intestine is the next step in the digestive system. And so the small intestine's job is then to take all those small pieces that the stomach has broken down and then be like, this is good for me and this is shit for me. (laughs) And so this is the IBS patient. This is the person who gets bloating after they eat. This is the person who has um, maybe some food allergies because actually there's not a good boundary between what's good for me and what's not bad and what's not good for me. Mm. Also, this is the kind of person who struggles with boundaries because you don't actually know what's good for me and what's bad for me, right? So you struggle with that discernment of, of like, how do I nourish myself, right? And then the the last piece of the digestive system, I'm going through this pretty quickly, but the last piece is the large intestine, which is, you know, like we see constipation and or diarrhea, mm-hmm. right? And so it's about, okay, so are you hanging on to things that are actually not good for you? Or are you letting go of things too quickly, you know, without actually having a last chance to absorb something out of it? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So... You know, when we can start looking at the body as as this really like metaphorical teacher, you know, it all goes back to how are we absorbing and 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 digesting life in a way. Mm. So, like, I mean, I don't know how comfortable you feel sharing about like what your past history <laughs> with digestive stuff is, but it's like, like, like along that chain, somebody was speaking up and was asking for some attention. Mm-hmm. And needed to be asked some hard questions, I imagine. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. My my symptoms were more like um, just really, I'd get really bloated, really uncomfortable. I never had the like diarrhea or constipation side of things. That wasn't really the issue. It was more just like, I didn't know what I could, like, I, I eventually cut out gluten because that would give me really bad brain fog and just, yeah. you know, I just went through so much trying to figure out what it was. And I remember mm-hmm. when I started going to therapy and dealing with and realizing, you know, some things that I went through in my childhood and how those actually weren't really good. I'll never forget kind of starting to see my digestion actually change. And I made a connection in my brain of like, huh, I wonder if these things have something to do with each other. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you sound like the small intestine, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like of, you know, I get bloated and there are some foods that are reactive for me. And so like thinking about your childhood and being like, okay, so maybe I need to lay down some harder boundaries or maybe I need to lay down some more flexible boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, and really use my voice to speak my truth. You know, that would have been the medicine, mm-hmm. you know. It's fascinating. I anybody mm-hmm. listening out there, I just I highly recommend that you think about maybe working with a professional, um, someone like Kat, or finding someone in your area, whatever you're comfortable with. Because speaking from experience, I went through so much trying to do basically what Kat was talking about, going to different doctors. Nobody was talking to one another. I remember one doctor literally sitting me down after doing a bunch of tests and being like, I don't know what else to look for. Everything, everything is coming out fine. Like, this is just how your body is. And I just remember being so crushed. Like, I can picture the room. I can picture the doctor. I can picture that moment. Because I was just like, what? No. You know? Because in that moment, what you're wanting is someone to tell you there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Tell me what it is. Label it. Yeah. Tell me. (laughs) Like, I remember wishing that certain tests would come back, like, positive just so that I could, like, see, oh, that's what it is. Okay. We just need to fix that. I'm good. So, you know, anyway, I don't, I don't share all, this is actually very uncomfortable for me to be this vulnerable on the podcast, knowing this is being recording and recorded and going out. But I say this because I don't want people to um, be experiencing all this and, and not get help and just keep taking like allergy tests or like cut food out and see, make a journal and see how that goes. It's just like, don't waste your time, you know, go work with someone who can help you get to the root of it faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may be expensive, but it will be worth it. Cause I spent a lot more money on all kinds of other things and should have just gone to someone like you in the beginning. <laughs> well, I just want to name the tenderness that you're just speaking of right now which is this is a very vulnerable thing for you to be sharing and and it's also such a human thing that you're doing which is we all heal through stories you know we all need to hear other people's stories we need to hear our own story reflected in someone else's story and so you know this is such a brave thing to be naming like hey I've struggled in this way And I don't know what the answer is for you, but this is what I've learned on the other side of it. And, and if we had more conversations like that, if we had more authentic conversations where we, you know, lay down our truth, essentially what you're doing is you're laying down your truth and saying like, this is, this has been my history and, um, these are the ways in which I've struggled and it's okay if you're struggling in this way too. You know, it's normalizing the fact that we are human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Beth, what are your thoughts with all of this? Wow. Have you had any? Well, this is fascinating. This? I love this. I, I think this is great. A couple of a couple of thoughts. One one of the thoughts is, you know, what we try to do here at Kenza Collective is help people um, sort of take a shortcut to where they need to be right so you don't have to figure out everything yourself what we do is we we bring you a a number of different types of podcasters and and their experiences in order to try to provide you the busy professional with 
different things that you might try. So I, I love this because it's like, this is opening up a whole new world of things that people could try and think about and be aware of. So I think this is fantastic. And we haven't really gone in this direction just yet. Um, mostly we've been talking about business topics, but taking care of ourselves yeah. is, you know, should be job number one, right? Um, oh, I was just gonna say in terms of becoming more efficient, you know, like you, you're talking about how in Kenza you're, you're giving people shortcuts, like think about how much people or how much time and energy is wasted when you are struggling with your body in a particular way, or if you're struggling in relationships or communication in a different, in a particular way, you know, yes, I know this is about business, but I, I know that for myself, like the more rooted and anchored I feel in myself, the more rooted and anchored and, and abundant my business is, mm -hmm. you know, that was the only little piece I wanted to interject there. Sorry, Beth, I cut you off. <laughs> no, okay. that's okay. No, this is great. This is, we could probably talk for five hours. Um, <laughs> this is so fascinating. Um, so, so you kind of cut, we had a little tech problem earlier when we were starting to talk about this. So I just want to <laughs> circle back. Um, when, so what you were saying earlier was you were doing acupuncture, right? You were an acupuncturist <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and then you had to stop all of that. Um, yeah. And so first of all, are you still doing acupuncture? And second of all, did you have to do some additional training in order to do the, the coaching work that you're doing now? Yeah. So, um, no, as a life coach, nobody is, is, it's not a regulated field. But having said that, I invest heavily in my education. Um, uh -huh. And it's, it's strange because I think I was drawn to all the, the fancy pieces of paper and all the credentialing when I was younger. And, and while I find all that valuable, like I have a master's degree in Chinese medicine and, you know, I've been, I'm licensed in Canada and in California to practice, but... Um, I'm finding that when I take sovereign responsibility for like what I want my education to look like, I feel so much more empowered. And so I go to trauma conferences that are all now online <laughs> and, you know, I listen to, I invest in, in, in hearing folks like Gabor Mate speak and, um, you know, do a lot of work around polyvagal theory. So like, I, I want the, the intuitive side of my practice to flow, but I also believe that it needs to be backed by knowledge and education and actual like hands-on learning. Um, so for me to be in integrity with how I show up for my clients, I'm not skimpy about, about, um, spending money on, on my education. It just doesn't necessarily always translate to something on paper, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Um, and uh -huh. I actually am giving up my licenses. Um, so in Canada, my, my license was set to renew this year and I decided that I'm not going to go back to acupuncture. I feel like I'm doing the depth of work that I've always wanted to do. And it sounds kind of weird that it's all being done online, but, um, you know, hopefully once, once the world starts opening up, I can go back to doing, I used to do retreats and, um, sort of like long form weekend courses. And, and so hopefully mm. I'll be able to do that again soon. But, um, yeah, in terms of the acupuncture practice, I, I don't know that I, I don't think I'm going back. 
actually I shouldn't say that I know that I'm not going back mm -hmm. um, to it um, and I'm so grateful for the foundation that it's provided me because I wouldn't be able to talk about bodies in the way that I talk about bodies had I not had the 12 years of putting my hands on people's bodies and really feeling into what their blocks were right I love that I know my um the acupuncturist I'm going to now, he he's really um, highly trained in, in reading pulses. I don't know if that's how you yeah. say it, but so yeah. that's how he always like we have a long conversation before we start. And then he always just closes his eyes and goes deep into the depths of my pulse mm -hmm. on my wrist and my neck and on my feet and different places. And um, I, I love that. I've never had an acupuncturist be like that, but I love the integration of like we talk, but then he actually tunes into my body and learns things about what's going on inside that maybe I don't even realize, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's such a great background that you have and what a great transition and just seems so natural of a transition for you yeah. that you got to do that. Yeah. I wanted to circle back cause I'm just remembering that you asked a question earlier that I didn't really fully answer in terms mm -hmm. of like why you have a crash like weeks oh, yeah. or months after. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just be really quick about it, but um, we have a tendency in our in our Western culture to not understand that energy is finite, and I think mm. that that goes back to our lack of connection to nature, because you know back in the day we used to have to cut down trees, wait for the wood to dry out, go out and chop the wood, bring it in the house, and light a fire and that was that was your finite energy source right and you had to really think about your stores if you were somebody who lives in a place where it gets very cold in the winter but you know nowadays we just flip a switch on and ta-da like there's yeah. there's electricity there's light there's we can make food and and i think that we think that our bodies are like that hmm. and that we feel like we can run our bodies to the max and there's no consequences from that and so what I'm hearing in your stories is and particularly like when it comes to the fire like that was a time when you needed to turn your sympathetic nervous system on it needed <laughs> yeah. to be on you needed like you were actually fleeing something that was threatening to your life right mm -hmm. so that needed to happen and as an over and like hyper independent probably like get shit done type a type personality right that is your survival strategy that's mm -hmm. what's kept you and your family safe and so you lean on that that's really energetically expensive to your adrenals right yeah. and so cortisol and adrenaline are doing their thing which is to keep you and your family safe and then afterwards it's going to have a repercussive you know sort of event if you don't give yourself time to actually recuperate yeah and so it's your body's way of saying like shit we need to fill up our gas tank now mm -hmm. this is what we're doing if you aren't going to do it for us i'm gonna make you do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I love that explanation, and I think, Kat, I'm going to have to talk to you more after this call, because I'm just so intrigued <laughs> by all of this. And, um, yeah. Anyway, so, but as we start to wrap up here, you know, I know that as parents specifically, we have a tendency to do what we were just talking about, sort of run ourselves ragged. Um, yeah. And sometimes it feels like you have to 
Like some, yeah. you know, you can't just not show up for your kid, especially when you have really young children, especially yeah. if you're a mom. Like I just stopped nursing just a, like a month ago, you know? So I yeah. still, there's a lot that you still have to do and it sometimes feels like you don't have a choice, but I'm wondering, Kat, if you can leave our listeners with maybe a couple of tips on while we're going through those fires or those just stressful times, whether it's fleeing a wildfire or dealing with family drama or just feeling off, like what are some ways that we can fill our gas tank in the moment and maybe prevent that big crash from happening later on? Um, Mm -hmm. If you have any tips to leave us with there. Yeah. So... I don't know that we need to prevent that big crash because I actually don't Hmm. think of that as being a bad thing. Hmm. You know, in your case, like your body needed to rest and you (laughs) weren't going to give it a chance to rest unless it was going to speak louder and louder and louder, you know? (laughs) And so like resisting the crash, I don't know is, is the answer. Hmm. I think the first step to any sort of personal development work is about slowing down and witnessing so if you can just, even if it's five seconds, you know, which is I, where I think like all meditation practices need to start out because nobody can get into like an hour long meditation practice right off the bat. Like you are not a superhero, like a breath in and a breath out is actually still a meditation. And when you can elongate that breath out that actually signals to your body that it needs to shift into the parasympathetic. So I think just in terms of like just an easy takeaway, it's going to sound super cliche and super lame, but it's really just breathing, (laughs) you know, and, you know, it's kind of crazy that our grandmothers knew this, you know, our grandmothers would tell us, you know, just breathe for 10 seconds and see what's different. Mm, Turns out, yeah. like, science is now showing us that, like, breath paired with a, basically about 8 to 10 seconds helps your body shift out of that sympathetic fight-or-flight mode and helps you shift more into the parasympathetic. Mm. So, listen to your grandma. You know what's people. interesting is a friend of mine, he recently stopped smoking cigarettes, <clears throat> and he said that he learned something, I don't know if it was from his therapist or something, that... Um, where they talked about that they think a lot of people, yes, there's an addictive quality of cigarettes. Obviously, nicotine is addictive. But there's also this other part of it where when you go smoke a cigarette, you're basically meditating. You're going out. You're removing yourself from a situation. You're going out by yourself sometimes or maybe with other people. um, And you're taking long, deep breaths. You're kind of taking a break. You're refreshing. You're you're doing what's kind of a meditation. And so what his therapist sort of replaced it with are these like... um, they're like CBD. They look like cigarettes, but they're not. It's not nicotine or anything. And I think it's just like CBD. It's There's no THC in it or anything. Just to help him be able to keep having that meditative experience without, yeah. you know, the harmful effects of nicotine. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, so and true. it's not just cigarettes. It's like anything that you deem as being an addictive quality in your life is like, okay, so how is that serving you? Right. Like shaming right. that part of you is not going to make it go away. You know, it's really about how is that that behavior serving you and can we shift it into something that is going to actually serve you? Right. Ah, man, Kat, we're going to have to have you back because I think we had other questions. I don't even think we got to any of our questions. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, We're going to so, have to do this again. You said you, said yeah. you wanted free flow, so we got free flow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So great. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, Kat, tell us about how people can engage with you, whether it's working mm-hmm. directly or listening to the podcast. Tell us about tell us about your website and every, everywhere that people can find you. Yeah. So my podcast is the Empowered Curiosity Podcast. It's everywhere that you can find podcasts. Um, and my website is Empowered Curiosity. My Instagram, which is the best way to get like in person in touch with me because I'm on there and engaging with the community all the time is, um, so on Instagram is at Empowered Curiosity. So yeah, that's, that's all the places. Yay. Kat, thank you so much for reaching out, for joining us, for sharing such a great wisdom. I know it's probably hard for you to give little bite-sized answers to these big questions, but you did a great job. So thank you. I'm happy to try. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 